Welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. This is Elmo Ador Jr. and it's great because I have uh, gonna have a I'm gonna have a conversation with my friend Greg Rogers. Greg, can you uh, tell us something about yourself? Oh, you bet. Uh, again, my name's Greg Rogers. I'm from the United States. Um, I am a Christian and uh, someone who loves the Lord deeply and loves talking about the gospel and 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 telling people about that. So okay, and uh, where are you from, bro? Um, I'm from I'm from Texas. So if I have a little bit of an accent, I uh, I, I own it. <laughs> it. It comes with being a Texan. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I live in Texas. I'm a, actually a CEO of a company that does online education. And pre, prior to that, came from a 27-year career in healthcare, where I was a, a CEO of a bunch of different hospitals and developed a new approach to the treatment of brain injury and stroke and and uh, uh, neurodegenerative disorders, um, just uh, kind of a, a plethora of things that I've worked on. So, also an artist and and uh, an author, or soon to be author. So, yeah. And I, I love your art, man. Like I, I I saw some of it, and it's it's just amazing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's funny. I've I've uh, the only art class I've ever had was watching Bob Ross. Do you know who Bob Ross is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bob Ross. I watched him for two years on TV, and I just thought, okay, he tells me I should be able to do this if I watch him, so I'll just start painting, and I did. I, I will have to say my early works were not very good, but um, I just kept with it and uh, have gotten to the point where I'm, I sell some works now and uh, have – had certain pieces that have kind of gone all over the world now so it's been it's been fun to watch so uh, <laughs> I guess it shows you that you don't necessarily have to go to art training <laughs> to be able to do some of this stuff all you need is Bob Ross <laughs> and I, I the only uh, things that I've watched uh, watch about Bob Ross to be honest are like parodies of him <laughs> oh really <laughs> <And> <laughs> he's pretty easy to parody <laughs> he's got yeah, he's got a very funny personality and unique style and uh, just the way he presents himself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I had one um, – I actually had one uh, work I did this past Easter. I, I did sidewalk chalk art, which I'd never done before, and I did the story of Easter on my sidewalk, and a lady came by and filmed it and put it out on Facebook and – and then she contacted me and said, you won't believe what's going on, and she sent it to me, and it had 1.5 million views and 86,000 shares. It had been sent all over the world. I got, I started getting contacts from uh, news outlets down in Brazil and uh, all, all across America. I actually had some people tell me that they thought they'd seen some of uh, the images from it on CNN, so it was just just crazy how it blew up but uh, yeah and and um you know it, it's uh beautiful to uh, actually uh, be able to to create you know to make art and, and that kind of stuff and um i think it's that that uh to be able to create i think it, it's uh, sort of something that uh, we were made to be uh, to become so because i guess that uh, because we we were made in the image of God, you know. He, God is a creator, and and uh, we have that uh, property as well. And it's uh, and our ability to see beauty in everything, you know. And even in the darkest situations of our lives, 
um yeah and i, I want to ask you um in terms of your beliefs uh what what do you believe are you, are you christian or what, what is your faith yeah I'm, i'm a christian and uh definitely a believer that uh man is a sinner in need of a savior that god loves us uh and loves us uh so much so that he provides what his holiness demands in terms of how to relate to him and uh uh and he does that at the cross with what jesus did when in dying for our sins so yeah and that he's just looking for us to place our trust in him and what he did on the cross to to move us from being people who are dead spiritually to people who are alive spiritually and and what's interesting about Uh, Jesus is that some, a lot of people sometimes look at him as oh he was just a great teacher uh, he did a lot of good things but um, I guess that there's a huge difference between seeing Jesus as like a, a, a just a prophet or a, a good teacher and someone who is God incarnate himself And then I want to ask you um what brought you to believing that Jesus is The, the the son of god himself uh, i think a lot of it came down to i mean you can there's a lot of things that you can look at academically and you know whether it's the writings um that talk about his resurrection from the dead i mean ultimately if he didn't rise from the dead he's he's just a man that died um but i believe there's there's at least from my perspective there's a convincing enough amount of evidence that makes me walk away saying yes this is a man who uh did die on a cross and he did rise from the dead um and having that and having that confidence uh was enough for me to to step out and to ask him to be my savior uh i think what what holds me as him being who he says he is is this the experiences of my life and and the 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 logic that is behind belief in him um and a lot of people may wonder about that but um when i when i think about it if 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 jesus is just a man then he he really has no impact on our ability to be able to be in the presence of a holy god um And, and the reason for that is if God is completely perfect and somehow I becoming become imperfect and if Jesus is just a man um, then then he he has within him the same problem that every man has which is that after the fall we all have a fallen state um, we're all in a position where we're tainted and if jesus was just another man who happened to be a really good man he'd still be a man who whose essence was tainted um by by just being merely human but because he was god who became man he came to the earth in a perfect state and was able to live a perfect life as a man and in doing that he now can stand and his sacrifice can be something that can uh can take the place take my place and and be something where his righteousness can be uh given to me and and he can take upon himself my sins and pay and and it be a just payment uh for the 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 sin that I've committed so 
if, he, if he's not God, then then the message of of the gospel is is meaningless in my mind. Yeah, it is, and it's uh, actually in the New Testament itself that um, if you uh, if the Christ ha- had not resur- resurrected, then the gospel itself is, is worthless. You know. Yeah, and and, and we are to be most pitied among people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it, it really makes no – then this whole thing that we call Christianity and in our walks with Christ is really meaningless apart from him being God and him having ra- raised from the dead, risen from the dead. And, and But I, I wanted to uh, um, uh, dive into how Jesus or your belief in who Jesus is has shaped your life and maybe in the past or, or you, you change uh, – and when you uh, have accepted him in your heart, uh, how? Yeah, how? What is the impact? Well, I, I think the impact is is one a recognition that if if there's a God who created me, He loved me enough to do what it took for me to have a relationship with Him when I was completely hopeless to do anything about that. That He would leave His throne and come to Earth. I, you know what? I'll tell you a story. Um, that I think demonstrates this the most Um, because it's the difference between what I had uh, with Christ and what someone else didn't. I was on the island of Haiti and I was speaking, I ended up speaking with a voodoo priestess and this voodoo priestess was telling me that her God was more powerful than my God, her God being the God of voodoo and and it would be Satan. And and I asked her how she knew her God was more powerful than my God, and she said, well, my God can come to you during the night and will kill you. And if anyone goes against him, he will destroy their lives. And I said, so your God is so powerful that he would destroy you and wreck you. Let me tell you how powerful my God is. Is While I was still an enemy to him, when I was incompatible with him, He left his throne and came to earth. Would your God do that? She said, no. I said, my God would do that for me. Would he let you spit on him and call him names? Oh, absolutely not. My God wouldn't do that. Well, mine did. Mine mine allowed his beard to be pulled for him to be scourged on my behalf. How about would, would your God do that? No. Okay, how about would he allow you to crucify him on a cross? No. Would would he be in such a state that he he knew what perfection was and what it knew it meant to relate to God the Father, and and he allowed it to be such that he endured God the Father turning his back on him? Absolutely not. And I said, my God did that all for me. And you know what? What's crazy is that he loves you so much that even though you are worshiping another God who is against him and are at odds with him and are fighting him even now in this conversation, do you know that he died to pay the penalty for your sins too? And, and she was like, I, my God would never do that. And, I, and she broke down crying. And I said, do you understand that your, your God's power only goes so far as it takes to destroy you because he hates you. My God's power goes that even though you hate him, 
he loves you so much that he would allow you to kill him in order for you to be set free and to be able to have a relationship with him for eternity. And she broke down crying and said, that's the God I want to know. And that is the difference between when you say what's, the, what's different in my life is that I know a God who loves me so much that he would die for me. And because of that, I have a purpose in my life that if he created me, he created me because he wanted me to do something. You know what that do is? Is to allow himself to live in me and to work through me. That it's not, he's not asking me to do a whole bunch of stuff. He's allowing, he's asking me to be available to him so that he can reach through my life to someone else's without me doing a whole lot. I just have to be there for him and allow him to work. And so there's peace, there's joy, there's all those things that I have that I think people that don't have him don't have. Yeah, and uh, what, but, but what's uh, funny though is that um, the, the gospel's message is sometimes so downgraded and underrated and, and because uh, sometimes the people like uh, d don't really understand it and just see the surface of it but they 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 uh, have never experienced the power uh, of the gospel and uh, how it can penetrate the the deep god-shaped hole in our hearts you know and and sometimes uh, i've met this uh, a friend who who instead of like um believing in whatever god is presented to him, presented to him by others he was advised by maybe like his therapist to to sort of create a concept of god in his mind and believe in that god and, and it actually works for him in a way and uh he it, it actually helped him and it, you can see that in even these kinds of things that we as human beings act, actually have a need for god in our in our identity in our in our even in our just our own psychology yeah but i guess that for no, me like that that right, kind that of we, thing we have that mm -hmm. need mm -hmm. yeah and that kind of thing is for me it's, it's not really no i was just saying you're right and we do have that need yeah it's true we have it and yeah. but the thing is that i i believe that christianity and the, the gospel's message it like hits the 100 percent uh and it, it's like a it's like the perfect uh plug to the the hole that we have in our hearts you know <laughs> i can't explain it any bit yeah. more, better than that well if you think about it every world religion in every belief system basically either says i can make myself good enough or i already am good enough and i just don't realize it and some whether i do good works that that overcome the bad things that i do or you know swing the ledger so i do more good things than bad things then suddenly i make myself acceptable to god or it's it's kind of like some of the eastern religions where they'll say you know there's the idea that you have the divine that's already within you and the divine that's outside of you you need to get 
where you are in fellowship with it, but your misconceptions about things, your desires, all those things act almost like a if, – if you're thinking about those as like a, a lamp. It'd be like the light bulb was you and the light outside of the, of the lampshade was the divine, was the God, and there's this lampshade that covers you up and keeps you from being one with the divine. And the problem is that neither of those things work because ultimately whatever the other belief systems are, whether you're divine yourself or you are broken and you, you want to try to fix yourself, it would be like a lamp that's been burnt out and you can't change the light bulb. That's how we really are, is that we are dead spiritually where the light within us is dead and it can't become one with the, other, with the light that's in all because there's a, a real lampshade there called sin that prevents it. And unless we can remove the lampshade, and be made alive again where someone changes the light bulb of our dead spirit and makes us a living spirit again, there is, it does not matter what you, how you try to address this. Everything else is just a self-help program on the road to nothing because we're dead spiritually. And, and what we need is a God that makes us alive and it makes us a new creation in him makes us alive again spiritually so we can relate to him and then removes that barrier that stands between us, that lampshade. He removes it. He removes sin from our lives. And that's what we have in Christianity, that, and it's unique. There's no other religion that talks this way. But, but I guess the, um, uh, this is how, how I look at, the, for example, like salvation, you know. Uh, a lot of people like... Um, put it more on an understanding of how the gospel works and to me that uh you know i i always uh, stand by like uh c lewis uh, c.s lewis's quote about um you don't need to know the nutrients of an apple in order to uh, to have to gain those nutrients when you eat it you know in a way so for example if i were to be saved i don't really need to know the specific uh, all the specific doctrinal creed like the nicene or apostles creed in order to be saved i think um in a way it's not it doesn't actually work that way i think salvation is that, that it's that it's the holy spirit working inside of you and it's the it's, it's actually more of a a uh, that jesus christ's death already sort of save you and that um, it your own it's already available to you but that um, because you've accept you've chosen to 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 ha to accept Jesus Christ into your heart uh, I think that's what's really uh, the, the game changer not some knowledge that you've gained or understanding of doctrine that's right it's uh, you know um, the Bible says that it, well it's not about intellectual assent we can know all the facts about Jesus and about what happened but unless we know him meaning we have a relationship with him it, it doesn't matter at all um, and the, then the question becomes how do you know him uh, how do you relate to God? Uh, the, you want to know how simple the gospel is? It comes to do you recognize that you are a sinner or that you have done something that would make you so you are not perfect and therefore you could not come into the presence of a perfect God, that you're not 
you, you, you're not compatible with him. If I can recognize that I'm, I'm, I've done something wrong or have failed to do something right that I should have done, then I know I'm not perfect and I can't be compatible with something that is perfect. If, if that's the case, then I have to ask, how, do I, how does that get resolved? And all you know what it takes to do is to sincerely say, God, whatever your remedy is, which was the cross, what, but will you apply that remedy to me? If you, just, if you sincerely say to God, God, help me, make your remedy apply to me what you did on the cross. Make it apply to me. He says he moves you from death to life. All you have to do is say, God, I accept what you did to resolve the problem of my incompatibility with you. That's it. And if you're sincere about it, he moves you from death to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but what what uh, the thing that that has been a great issue for me was that, for example, are there carnal Christians or, or that are people that leave the faith or have never actually been saved in the first place? Because it, it goes uh, it really on for me. Like for example, in my case, I think that if you're saved, you'll always be saved. But there will all sometimes you will have like uh, a down period in your life you know that you you will be uh, attacked by by doubts by and you will be in a struggle and you might uh, lose track of it but i i always believe that the good shepherd will will look for for his the, his lost lamb no matter how small you are and and you will never uh, leave his 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 protection his his love you know that's right. I mean, once, once, once you have a relationship with him, uh, that relationship is based on yes, you chose him, but ultimately it's because he did the work that it took to save you. You didn't do anything; God did it all. And so, God and God's work never fails. So when He saves you, He saves you everlastingly. Now, um, there may be times when once you have a relationship with someone. Uh, with God, uh, there may be times when you're not quite as close to Him from an intimacy standpoint, and you'll feel the effects of that. But it doesn't mean that you ever lose that relationship. Um, you remember those verses in John where it says, "I am, um, I am the vine; you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing." If you think about it, that the 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 fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things that the Spirit bears in us. And when we're more intimately close to Him, it is more likely that we are going to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Why? Remember there was another verse that said, For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. You could, you could take love out of there and put peace, joy, um, um, uh, all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You could plug any one of those into there, and they start with one, uh, being born of God. That salvation when you place your trust in Jesus Christ uh, to save you and your spirit is made alive again to relate to a living God. And then it says, and to know God. That talks about that you're growing in intimacy with him. 
um, the more intimately close to him you are, the more you will experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. doesn't mean everything's going to go right in your life all the time because the world is still there and, and we still screw up things as humans and do things wrong by, uh, and, 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 and tend to always want to <laughs> always go after our will instead of God's will. But as we grow in our relationship and intimacy with him, we will seek his will more often, and as a result, you'll see that usually um, you, even in the midst of troubling times and attacks that may be coming your way, you can still experience joy and love, peace, and those things. So it's a different kind of a life. It's hard to explain to someone who has not experienced being born again. But the, the sad thing, though, is that what happens with a lot of like uh, people, for example, who were born or raised in a Christian family and have been like uh, so, like been exposed to much it actually like and then they when they become atheists they say oh i've been a christian you know and i know all that stuff and i've been uh, uh this i've been saved but that but the thing is that they never actually truly understood what it meant to to have a relationship a personal relationship with with jesus christ and and so what happens is they see all this uh, superficiality in, in just going to church and uh, ministry and all that, but uh, they they miss the whole experience. But the, but they say, oh, I I'm done with Christianity. Uh, I, I've lived my 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 life uh, doing that. But so I'm I'm just gonna believe what I want to believe, you know. So that's the sad thing. Yeah, I think the question is, did did uh, people can be very good at practicing the Christian faith, meaning the traditions of it, but the Christian faith is powerless absent Christ. So if you have not had experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ, and have not fully placed your trust in what He did on the cross. To save you from your sins and, and really placed your dependency upon him, then what you're practicing is a religion. And a, a religion's just a man-laid list of do's and don'ts. Um, what Christ has given us is a, is a list of things that he's done. He, he did it, and now we need to place our trust in what he did. Um, I think there's a lot there's there's a lot of people who have placed their trust in Christianity and failed to ever meet Christ. You've got to meet Christ, and and He's got to reside in you for any of this to matter. So, mm -hmm. but but the, the I think the hard thing is that when you're talking to someone who uh, thinks that they've been a Christian before and they're all past that, and you try to explain what they missed, you know, <laughs> and they they will always try to dismiss it. Oh, I, I already believed that before. It doesn't work and all that stuff. But I, I guess that in, in, in that uh, case, I would just pray for that person and maybe uh, hope that, someday he will open his or he or she will open uh the, the, their their heart to to Christ you know and but it, it, I, I think sometimes mm -hmm. Christians think that they need to try to uh present arguments to win someone back to the kingdom or to win someone into the kingdom and the fact of the matter is that 
all I've been given authority to do is give an account for the hope that is in me. And ultimately, that hope is in the Spirit, that the Spirit reached me and transformed me and changed me and showed me that I needed Him and and helped convince me to, and overcome my doubts. Um, that someone has... That some of those people that may walk away, if they were sincere, I, this is my belief, so just know this. If they sincerely meant it at the time they accepted Christ to be their Savior, and they've just gotten to the point where they've got doubts galore and have wandered away, it doesn't mean that they are no longer saved, potentially. Um, because once saved, always saved. As long as they sincerely meant it when they first came, then I believe God can His grace is sufficient to reach them even in the, in the midst of their falling away, um, and hold on to them. But you do have to question sometimes if someone does fall away, if they ever really had that relationship, because if you really have that relationship, it's sometimes hard to think that you would ever want walk away. So, uh, but but uh, but it's not for me to judge whether or not someone is saved or not saved. That's that's in God's hands. So I leave that to him. Exactly, and, and um, for me, like in for example, in in terms of like the 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 hard, the growing cases of depression and and suicide, I know it. It's a lot would say that it's it's more of a medical and biological problem, but I think that uh, in my worldview, it's. It's that people actually uh, have this uh, huge need for for actual love and God's uh, uh, purpose in their lives, you know, and and you can actually see how the gospel uh, is such a great remedy for for all these, and 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 you can see also in like. Uh, AA meetings where uh, they uh, um, well the sharing the gospel actually brings change to people's lives you know I, I don't mean to like degrade the gospel into like some sort of medicine with or prescription but that you can see its effectiveness and and how much we as humans need it you know you know i come from a mental health background i spent about 12 years working with schizophrenia bipolar disorder and and uh and depression people that were struggling with those conditions and one of the things that i i, I came to learn was um there is a spiritual side to depression uh that is there for many people um but there's also a physical side to it. There are neurotransmitters that are at play and things that are wrong clinically there. Here's the deal. We live in a fallen world um, and because of that it's not perfect and we aren't perfect. And Satan likes to take advantages of people's weaknesses and for someone suffering from depression um, or some of these mental disorders they are real physical things that happen for many people. So I never question 
if someone is struggling with that, that there may be a me are medical needs that need to be there. But I certainly know that, that Satan takes advantage of those medical needs to drive people even further down. And uh, because there are, there are Christians who have accepted Christ as their Savior who struggle with depression. So there is a clinical side to this thing. The good thing is, is that you've got um, a God who loves you, who's there working with you and working with the doctors and working through other believers that can support that person who's going through that struggle. That is caused not by God, but because there's a fall and because we live in a world that is, is, is not perfect post us having messed it up by sinning against God. So, um, but yes, uh, and, and God can heal that. Or God can work through the doctors and medicine to help someone, and and work to support with, through the support group of the church and other believers to help someone as they struggle in that way. Um, he can take it away, but it doesn't mean he will. Um, so, and 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 what we do is just rest in Him, and then uh, seek to provide treatment and help for those that are struggling. So. I hope that that makes sense. Yeah, it's true. And um, to be honest, like I I, I think I really think that uh, a lot of the the cases of these uh, mental health problems, it, it's it's really a problem of the soul, you know. And uh, sometimes, like um, drugs or uh, antidepressants, might be helpful, but I I think that it's just uh, tr solve it's just um, start or curing the symptoms but not the root cause of it which is uh, yeah uh, hu the human need for a relationship and to be in harmony with with God you know yeah yeah no I think um, God is uh, Jesus when you see him walking on the earth you see that there are many times that he helps people with their physical, mental conditions. But he always turns it back around and says, hey, I healed you, not just because of this particular mental or physical state, because, but because I wanted to be able to show you that I could do something here and translate that over to, if I can help you there, can't I help you with the other? He always is trying to lead people back to what's the real problem. The real problem is that whether or not someone lives with depression or not, at the end of the day, that is a illness or a problem that they face in this life. And what God is trying to do is, is to say, hey, look, I, yes, I can help you with the things that are here, but the most pressing thing that I can help you with is what happens with your eternity. Because God as an eternal being knows what it means to live either in his presence or outside of his presence for all of eternity. And so his biggest concentration is on what does it take to move this person to a point where they are made alive spiritually again and can live with me for eternity. Because any physical illness or pain or suffering or depression or anything we have in this life is such a blink of an eye in the light of eternity that ultimately none of us are really going to spend much time in eternity. It's almost like this life has never even happened is how long eternity is.
So if we want, he, yeah, he's trying to heal us in a way that really does make a difference, and and that's to fix us spiritually, so we can relate to him. But and um, you know, if you ask me, like, um, what there there's the re, there's this huge problem or issue when it comes to the the problem of evil, you know, and that that is sometimes the. The huge, the the real reason why people just uh, can't just deny the faith or can't see themselves be, uh, believing in a loving God because uh, they some they see the only see the evil and the injustice and the suffering in this life and in the past and uh, but for me like I think that in a way. Um, God did allow evil to happen, but He saw it as necessary and as worth it. Because I think, for I I also believe that I think that having me having existing and having my own free will and having to be able to choose whether to love God or not, and just not created to be an automaton, um, like an like a, a, a worshiping automaton. I think that that shows how much of a of a beautiful and loving God we have, you know. And it, you're right. This life is not. It would feel like in the future, like it's, it, it didn't even happen, in compared to eternity, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a blink of an eye in the light of eternity. So God is immensely interested in what what secures our our eternity and is willing to allow certain things to transpire if that um, either opens our eyes to our need or opens our eyes to his nature of saving us um, and, and our complete dependency upon him in order to do that. You know, um, you, you brought up free will. You know, I think free will is hugely important. Um, because we're dealing with a God who is perfect. And I actually think that free will plays a part in, um, in, in the whole story of why God uh, has done anything that he has done, um, uh, starting with the angels. I mean, if you think about it, if we have a perfectly loving God who's perfect in every way, meaning he's perfectly content, then you have to ask the question of if he's perfectly content and perfectly loving, why in the world would he create anything that has free will? Because if he does that, he actually introduces the only thing into creation that actually could ruin perfection. Right? And and you introduce into um, creation um, the a situation where there can be people that actually end up going to a place like hell. But yet we know that God still created the angels, even though he knew they were going to rebel against him, and a third of them would end up in hell. How could a loving God do that? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, it's it, that's a huge question that I've always kept asking myself. But uh, yeah, and, and I think it, we are... I think life is worth it, you know, uh, and I don't think that God was forced out of his own 
uh, was forced because of his own nature to to create and uh, to to love us. I I don't think that way. Um, I think you know because th- this is the what's happening when you have like natural uh, creation. You know that that because of God because of God's uh, uh, nature, he was. He was uh it was inev- inevitable for him to ha- to produce creation so i some would argue that creation is eternal and, and it's it's part of god's nature but i don't think that way uh for me like i think that um creation is a is just a part of the overabundance of god's love and that he he's even able to extend the the love that he already has within himself and share it with uh, new entities such as man, you know, which are made in his image. And I think that that's beautiful. Well, uh, do you mind if I uh, introduce a thought and just for you to contemplate? Okay, if God's a perfectly loving God and he knows that he can – the greatest gift that he could give to any creature is the ability to have a relationship with him, Right? So if he creates something with free will so that they can relate to him, because you can't really have a relationship unless some, both sides are freely choosing to relate with one another. Um, if God does that, knowing that two-thirds of the, of the angels will choose him and one-third will not, is it perfectly loving to create, to create the angels, knowing that a third of them will face the worst possible thing, which is to be absent of relationship with you for eternity and still be alive, or to have never created anything with free will, such that the two-thirds, yes, they would have missed out on a relationship with you, but you, the, if they, they were never created, they would never be cognizant of the fact they missed anything, right? And the third of the angels that probably were destined for hell would rather have never been created, right? Okay, but yet God still created them. And I think we're forced, if we're being intellectually honest, we have to ask ourselves why. Okay, and here's why I think, and and this is my reasoning to it. I, and and again, I don't know if this is right or wrong. So don't take this as being Bible. It's reason to using the Bible. Um, but uh, this is what I think has probably transpired, is that God recognized that if you think about the angels, the only thing the angels do that the Bible says that they do that would have made any sense or mattered prior to the creation of man was that they were made to worship God, to give him praise and offer him worship. But if God is perfectly content, he doesn't need any of their praise or worship to be any more content with himself. So he doesn't really need them. But I think there is something that he could want that could come from the worship and praise that comes from a free will creature like the angels. Remember the Bible says that um, God inhabits the praises of Israel? What if I, I believe it is possible that he inhabited the praises of the angels first? That in their praise and worship, their free will given praise and worship, he could inhabit that. And that within that praise, the three personages of the Trinity 
could have a place that did not exist absent of the creation of those beings because if there's a, if there's a place that's created when the free will wielding angels worshiped him that didn't exist outside of their praise this would be a new place where father son and holy spirit could exist and therefore would know each other more intimately closely it's not that they needed anything else to be more intimately close to themselves because they're one in essence within the trinity right but because they exist in three personages, those three personages in this place would have a place that did not exist outside of that praise where they could know each other, which would mean they could know each other more intimately close. They could fulfill a want, which is to be closer to each other. What happens if you know you want something, but you choose not to fulfill it? Is it possible that you could become discontent? If God is the greatest treasure there is, and God knows that he can know himself better or be more intimately close with himself, then if he were to say, oh, I'm not going to create the angels because I know what would happen to a third of them, it is possible that God could unrighteously become discontent. And if that's the case, then God, by not creating them, threatened himself with it, because at some point, at what point does discontentment become imperfection? And so I think God possibly, and this is again me reasoning, it is possible that God, in knowing that within the praises of the angels, he could be more intimately close to himself, and that if he didn't create them, he would could leave himself in a state of imperfection. He f was compelled from within, not from without, so himself compelled himself to create the angels. But he did so knowing that it would go all the way and that it would lead to the creation of man. It would lead to him having to, to die in the place of, of man. It, it would lead all the way to the cross. That's why the Bible says that before the foundations of the earth were laid, Christ was crucified. Because God knew as soon as he had to create as soon as he created the angels, everything else was going to fall out. Do you want to know what the plan is of God? It's not just the plan of salvation for man. It's that in going all the way to the cross, the plan is how does God maintain his own perfection as well? He has to make, he will maintain his own perfection and do so in, in a way that offers everyone else the chance to not have to um, experience what it means to live separated from him. So he, he, how do I keep myself perfect? How do I maintain or give a way for everyone else to be made perfect so they can be in my presence? And that's, I think, what the plan is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, and it, I know it's deep, but if someone is struggling with the depth of that, here's all they need to know. God loves you. He knew that you would sin, and before he made you, he made a way for you to get out of the consequences of that. If you would place your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, then you, even though you have sinned, can be made righteous before him and can relate to him for eternity. 
and all you have to do is place your say thank you God for dying on the cross to justify me before you and I will just receive that as a gift from you that's it it's a free gift that, 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 that is a, a much more convincing than uh, what how some others answer it and and yeah and but the 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 one of the big arguments that I hear from a lot of atheists is that for example um if if you know that you you're going to have like paradise when you die then 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 just then why don't you uh, like uh, go ahead and just go to paradise you know and <laughs> if you really believe it but but for me, I guess that um, you know, if you believe in, if for my, myself, if I believe that in my salvation, I'm not in a hurry, you know that I that's what, how how I would answer it. That I, I I would be able, I would be living this life not because I, I, eternity hasn't started for me yet or will start for me when I die, but that it it my eternal life is already here. It's already beginning, and I'm already living it. But I choose to live it, not by killing myself or that, uh, not. But I would live it that I could still have, uh, be able to share God's love in this life on Earth right now. That's how I would answer it. Yeah, I mean, how would you answer it? Ultimately, the the reason to stay is because God has a purpose for you to stay. And it may be the the relationships that you have that you are the 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 one that he wants to use to reach certain people um that maybe through the struggles that you have in this life it makes it so someone else could relate to you and therefore in relating to you could observe Christ um where they would not see him on their own. Um ultimately is that God has a purpose for you. And when God's ready for you to go home, he'll take you home. Um, but uh, we leave that decision up to God. And until then, we serve him, we look to glorify him, and we look to point other people in his direction to experience what we've experienced, which is the freedom that comes in Christ. And to experience the what it means to, to finally overcome guilt and sin and and all those things that that plague mankind so yeah i mean uh i i would rather be in this world suffering uh in some ways uh, through a fallen world um and be be in the place where god wants me to be um at that time than to be anywhere else um because in the center of his will is the best place to be. And if his will is for me to be here now where he can use me in some way, then Lord, leave me here. Um, even if I want to go home. So, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, uh, Greg, I, I just want to tell you that it's been awesome talking to you and having this conversation. And I would love it if we could end in a, a short prayer, you know. And I think some of the listeners might be interested. Oh, also. Absolutely. Okay. Did you want to pray or you want me to pray? Okay. Oh, dear God, oh, thank you so much for loving us. Thanks for being there for us, um, knowing what our need was, knowing that um, apart from you, we are 
we are destined for separation from you. We are destined for death. Um, but because you loved us, you did what it took for us to have life. God, um, Lord, help us to, to live uh, in the midst of your will, Lord. Just to be like a child that's holding on to the pant leg of their, of their father, Lord. That wherever you go, we would go. And um, that we'd live right in the center of what you're doing. Um, because that's the, the place of peace. That's the place of hope. That's the place of joy. Um, I pray, God, that if anyone's hearing this that doesn't know you now, God, that you would reach into their heart and, and speak to them, that you would uh, soften them and allow uh, open their ears so they can hear the truth and what's being spoken, Lord. Um, and God, in places where maybe you know I interjected my thoughts and, and those may be wrong, uh, Lord, I, God, I pray that you would speak through um, through past that, Lord, that your spirit would speak to people in a way that draws them, God, because ultimately my words don't matter. You matter. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to those that need you, uh, whether it's for salvation or for comfort and support. Um, be what they need you to be right now, God, and for what their families need you to be. And help them to sense your presence more than they've ever experienced you in, in, in the past, Lord. To your glory and praise, Lord, we give it all to you. And thank you again for what you did for us on the cross. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you for the conversation, Greg. You bet. Goodbye. All right. Take care. Bye, Elma. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. Thank